Malo Dalova. My name is Giovanni Lolohe, and welcome to the Thought Plantation Podcast, the show where we harvest perspectives through conversation. If this is the first time listening to the podcast, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for all the updates and announcements for episodes and guests. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. Jewish Radio, we just recorded our 123rd episode yesterday. How, how does that feel, man? 120 episodes. <laughs> that's that's a ridiculous amount of episodes now that I think about it. It's, it is a ridiculous amount of episodes and it's something that, it's, I mean, it suits both of our personalities really well because we're both a little bit obsessional and we both, and it, it sort of speaks as well to the the craft and also to to training and running as well which you know we both love doing is that we we made we made a pact that when we were going to do it we established our time frame and that we'd stick to it nice and so it's 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 a i don't want to say it's a grind because it's not a grind it's it's it's, it doesn't feel like work but it is it's a discipline thing you know and it's you're always thinking about you know, you have times of plenty. You have times where you are just hustling for guests, like week to week to week. Especially this year, man, it's been a, a real, um, not a not a struggle. It's it's been a juggle, definitely. Sometimes, you know, like we recorded right through uh, the pandemic, through the lockdown. We've actually only had one week off this entire time. So, which I admire, by the way. <laughs> I told myself when I started this, this is the very same thing. I was like, episode a week. That's what we do. Episode a week push it through and then covid happened and i was like "Ooh, yeah i don't know if i could do an episode a week and i think i took like a m- three weeks off yeah actually when i started and that was basically you know guess yes yeah. was really hard to come by and i tried doing one episode with myself yeah <laughs> and that turned into like a weird I, I heard it back and i was like "Ooh, maybe i shouldn't have done that you know solo <laughs> episode actually it's weird talking to yourself Oh, you, know? you did it by your, just by, yourself? By myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I know a lot of people do it. You know, it's usually just chucking out thoughts. Stream there, of consciousness. Just, yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's an interesting way. But I, but for me, it's more about the banter, you know, the back and forth yeah. and, and getting to know someone a lot more better. And if I'm talking about myself or my own thoughts, it turns into like a really weird place, yeah. which I don't think a lot of people <laughs> will be able to react to. So we've jumped ahead. We've jumped ahead. Heaps. Right. So let's um, let's step it back a bit. Let's talk about how you guys started the podcast. When was that and when did that conversation happen with Eugene? So the conversation happened. Um, what was happening was I was in, I, I lucked into this job um, editing a magazine. Uh, so it was called Kiwi Trial Runner Magazine and it was, a, it was in Aotearoa and it was in Australia as well. And I got this gig on top of my full-time job as a you know, as a, as a mental health nurse to, to edit this magazine because I'd been writing for a while uh, on the side. And I was putting out this paper, you know, uh, publication that was, which felt incredibly strange, you know, to be, to be doing something. It's like, it's akin to starting a penny farthing shop or a Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, as much as I love magazines at the time, you yeah. know. And, and one thing led to another and I was increasingly... Um, increasingly just 
beloved of podcasts. You know, I'd listen to them a lot when I was training. I'd listen to them when I was driving and, and, and doing all that. And Eugene and I knew each other through running and we'd become quite good friends. And he, you know, for those who, who don't know Eugene Bingham, he's an incredible investigative journalist. You know, one of the most humble and self-effacing men you'll ever meet. And also if you think about like, you know, the t- he's he's an award-winning journalist he 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 was in the team that broke the Tainapora case he's in the team you know he's he's been to the states to take on the alt-right you know after Christchurch he's been to Afghanistan to do the um uh, you know the the battle of bag hack and the follow-up with the the um the firing rangers and uh, you know just this weekend he's done um uh the search and seizure documents you know how increasingly uh, Maori are pulled over at such a high rate. So he goes after the ball, right? And so I am running with this guy who's like a proper, proper, proper journalist. And there's me who's a rank amateur. And and we, he was contributing. He he said uh, he'd write for Kiwi Tarot in a magazine. I was like, what? It's like you got this, you know, it's like, I don't know, if you were in a band, in a jam band, and I don't know, like someone turned out, like Jimi Hendrix, and I was like, <laughs> I'll play guitar for you. You're like, pardon? I'll just hang out for yeah. a bit, you know? At, <laughs> at Stuart's Barbecue, you do that. Yeah, yeah. And and we were run, and I was just, it was just the stress. of, And it started to, you know, it was interesting, like doing this uh, editing job. All I thought about was running, but I wasn't doing any running. It was, there was lots of stuff going on and we had a conversation one morning, you know, because we were always talking about podcasts, always talking about podcasts and he said, if you quit your job at Kiwi Toronto tomorrow, what would you do? And I said, I'd probably, you know, cry into my hands for about five minutes (laughs) and then get on with my day and he's like, well, let's, let's start a podcast and, and, and within a couple of weeks, uh, we pressed go, you know. We, oh, so he approached you with the idea. We both we approached each other. Okay. We've been kind of bantering it back and forth and back I and see. forth. And he said, "Well, well why don't we do it?" And I was like, "Okay, let's go." And then we um, we recorded a pilot, which hasn't seen the light of day, with with a friend of ours who's done some incredible stuff. And then we um, ended up uh, getting our first episode. It was June or July. It was June twenty seventh, I think it was, and um. Away we went. So how long have you guys been podcasting for? So we, oh, yeah, 123, whatever, 123 weeks. So so you've actually had one episode a week since you guys basically released your first episode. We started like, it's it's been so long that I, 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 can't remember. Probably over two years. Yeah, it's been over two years. Like we had our, so we had a hundredth show in August. In the sort of interregnum between the, the first lockdown and the second lockdown, we had our we had our light, we had our hundredth episode. Yeah, so it's been one hundred and twenty three, and we, we're actually going to take we got one more show next week, and then we're going to take two weeks off for Christmas oh, because we're excellent. both feeling a bit tired. Well, twenty twenty, right? That should be the tagline <laughs> of the year. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. I am tired. <laughs> absolutely, man. It's and it's so hard. Like I don't know if if you find this as well, but whenever you, I I really want to do a show. Or have any engagement with someone we don't mention 2020? Mm. How's it going? You know, what's up? I think that's going to be next year, though. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's nothing really else to talk about. Like, for this year, what? We got COVID. We got Trump. Yeah. Riots. I'm, yep. t- I'm struggling to think of something good. I'm trying to think. I'm really struggling to think of something good. 
Well, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening. There, there's for sure. such a lot of good stuff happening, and and there's I'm constantly reminded of, and 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 throughout that too, you know, I'm constantly reminded of my my privilege, <laughs> you know, like we went away last weekend and we went to Tiano to do this run that we've been training for. And we, we, we were lucky enough to do a live podcast down there. The, the, the committee wanted us down there and walked into this hall in Tiano and there's like 700 people. And I must admit, and you know, cause being in, being in healthcare, we've been at the, at the, at the sharp sticky end of it. Right. I walked into the hall and I was like, Oh, <laughs> whoa, you know, there's too many people. Um, and then I got that sense of, Oh my goodness, what, an amazing thing to be in this hall with so many people yeah and how privileged is that and then i sort of reflected as well i think people have worked incredibly hard and been really pragmatic and just got on and listened uh, you know listened to science and listened mm. to public health mm. and th- the despite how inconvenient it's been yeah yeah for sure 700 people so that you basically did a live podcast in front of no, 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 we didn't. No, no, that was okay. the race roofing. So we did a okay. live. If if I did a live, if I was doing a live podcast in front of seven hundred people, that'd be a whole different. Because that's what I was asking. I was like, no. how would that work? Yeah, no, yeah. no, we did. Um, oh, how many people did we have? We were in the we were in the Fieldland Lobster Company room, which is upstairs. <laughs> at the Sounds it great. Was, man. It was salubrious. It really was. Um, we had ah, oh, we had like maybe. I want to say 30, 40 people packed into this little space, which isn't 700, but that's a good no, thing. To, that, that's you know, a good chunk to of change, man, turn up for sure. For people to turn up to watch two dudes interviewing other people. Other people. Yeah. So so, that was, so you, it's kind of like a live show, but do you have like multiple guests come on yeah, at a time? So, so how, how we did it is we had uh, Steve Norris, who's the, he's the, so this race, it's, it's, it's called the Kepler Challenge and it's, it's, it's in its 33rd year. Uh, and it's a community fundraiser that's run out of Fiordland on the Kepler track, and mm. it sells out within two minutes, like literally wow. within two minutes, both races every year, boom, gone, gone. And, um, you know, they've had the floods, they've had mm. COVID, the tourist town, everything's just gone. And, and so we talked to Steve Norris, and then we had a couple of um, professional runners basically come up and... Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, and what we haven't mentioned is what your podcast is actually about. I'm sure people will have picked it up already. Yeah. So you guys do a podcast about running. Yeah. Right? And what I've noticed with your podcast, because I've, I've gone through a couple, and there's a piss ton of people who love running. Yeah, yeah, there is. More it, more than, I mean, I mean, I know people enjoy running. I know yeah. people do it as a hobby, yeah. as, a, as a fitness craze, yep. as an escapism. Yeah. But there's people that are pretty fucking into it yeah right? yeah, yeah like yeah. they would fly across to the other side of the country yep. Yep. to do sp- so so talk to me a little bit about the podcasting realm and and running and how you've managed to sort of put put them right. together okay so i mean first off yeah you're right and it's again it's that sort of it's that privilege mac right like it's an incredibly and we'll get to that too it's a well-to-do for one of a better word and new zealand is very white and polite right and it's at times, and especially ultra marathon running, which is running longer than a marathon, in some ways has become uh, the new half marathon or the new golf or the new squash for a lot of people. That's not to deride it or to mm. take away from its difficulty, but it's experienced a real resurge, a real would, would you say it's like the new craze at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and definitely like one of the things with it is um, people say like, oh, you can run 
you know, it, it, it's almost seen as the, the the longer you go, the more worthy it is. Whereas, like, I couldn't run a five minute mile. You know what I mean? And mm. and and I wonder which is more. Right. You know, I, I, like I've run under twenty k for f- twenty minutes for a five k once, and Jeez. I'd like to. Do you know, I look at that and go, mm. "Well, that's really tough." Sort of, but mm. yeah, it, it's 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 horses for courses. Um. So the question was, how did sort of ultra marathon running or trail running and, and podcasting? Why mm. did we do that? So we we wanted to tell people stories because there's an incredibly diverse amount of people that get into um into the sport, and it's incredibly difficult. Like it is an incredibly difficult sport. And as much as people, you know, I've just said, oh, it's the new golf or whatever. At the heart of it, you are putting yourself in to a certain amount in harm's way. Uh, and you're going out on the weekends and you're training and you're, you know, and then you go and you do this run and it's incredibly difficult and it's, um, it's hard, you no. know, and it, to, to perform it at a, you know, I think of myself mm. as a, at a very mediocre level mm. is very, very hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, for people who, who want to get a picture, you know, you just have to Google ultra marathons and it's not like running on the streets. You're not just well, running on the street. Although, really. I mean, although the first... The, you can do, and that's the thing. Like a lot of ultra marathons happen in the street. Like one of the most famous in the world is called the Spartathlon in, mm. in Greece, and it runs. I think it runs from Athens to Sparta to the Statue of King Leonidas. Jeez. It's that's all on road, and it's two hundred and thirty-eight kilometers. I want to say, yeah. and that's you know. So yeah. there's a couple, and Comrades, which is the oldest one in the world, that's all. On, that's mm. in South Africa. That's all on road oh, as well, right. and like the whole country turns out for that one. Because the one I've seen you guys, and you guys seem to be going off road. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. into the mountains, down these yep. forest pathways. Yep. Trail running. So that's trail running. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that would that just be a combination of? Uh, I mean, because forgive my ignorance. Cause no, no, I am please. pretty ignorant, and I hate cardio with a passion. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I think of running, it's like, ooh, that looks really cool, but that's not for me. But so with ultramarathon, so ultramarathon is is a combination of different lengths. It, of, it, of it, so you so might just explaining tra- it. A bit. There's two. There's trail running. Well, I mean, and I'll, I I will suffice it to say that you know again <laughs> with eugene you know like he'll if he's listening to this i'm sorry bro like he he was on the auckland uh team that won golds at the My national yeah. marathon champs he's gone under three hours several times he's got an insane 15k 15 uh it's 15 something pb in the 5k he's a classic he, if you think about him, he's like a classically trained road runner of the old tradition mm. and he runs on trails and i'm very much I, I didn't start running till I was like in my early 30s and I, I'll run, I love running on the road, but I love running on the trail. So very much, again, as is journalism, a very amateur sort of thing. Mm. But trail running is anything off what you would consider road. Mm. You can, I mean, uh, and how cool is it? I mean, we're in your street. I used to live on the street. My Two of my kids were born on the street, you know, like not on the street, in the, in the house, <laughs> on the street, but... <laughs> I started, you know, I would poodle around here, you know, I'd go to Pars Park and push my son in the push chair with a Mm. CD player, you know, like, um, there was all that going on, but yeah, trail running is anything off, um, off, off, Mm. off pavement and ultra marathon running is any distance over a marathon. So marathon's 42.2 K anything over that is an ultra marathon. marathon. And you can go from anything from a 50 K to a. 
100k to 100 mile was a, and then now they're starting to kind of branch out to 200 mile and above it's maybe a silly question no it's the, the number 42 what was it 42.2k 42.2k yeah what why is that number classified as a marathon in particular why not a round number now i apologize again if i'm getting this wrong it it, it varied between you know and and, and the, the classic story it was Pheidippides right so it was the you know he 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 was the spot he ran from the the battle to Athens and then collapsed and he's shouting out Nike you know which means we won we won he died and and they reckon that that oh he ran from Marathon of course <laughs> to <laughs> did he yes he did yeah. he ran from the Battle of Marathon he ran he ran like several hundred kilometers they reckon so the, okay. the, the, and the but the traditional marathon has has wavered in um distance but i understand it came down to sort of a, a modern olympics i think it was a london olympics and they wanted they wanted the the royal family to be able to witness it so they rerouted it down the mall i'm sure mm. and that's where it got settled on ah so that distance was sort of just the arbitrary difference. yeah oh wow Okay, that's not really that arbitrary. It kind of makes sense. Nice story. It's better than just some dude thinking, oh, yeah. I like the number 42.2. Yeah, 26 we'll point, yeah, twenty-six point something miles. Okay. So another reason I wanted to bring here, because yeah. you guys are actually quite a pretty successful podcast, might I say. Yeah, we, we are. Uh, it's. I mean, there's, again, the, the you know, the Trail and Ultramarathon podcast in Aotearoa. The, <laughs> there's two of us. You know, <laughs> there's us and these guys in Dunedin called Crush the Car Girl. Um, but, and... Um, yeah, I think you know we've done we've done well because we show up. I think. Yeah, and consistency. Yeah, right? consistency yeah. straight all the way through. Yeah. So there's a couple of podcasting questions I'd like to ask you. Okay. To start off, so for me, one of the the hardest things and kind of the most daunting things is actually reaching out to guests. Right. You know. So this is probably me asking back when you guys were still no, here, tenth no, yep. episode, you know, twentieth yep. episode. Yeah. You know. So how would you sort of reach out? So like, you know, by the way, I do a podcast. Do you? Do you want to come in? I don't have a do chat? that at all. No, no. So what what we do is, I mean, and you got to remember, and <laughs> um, what I did for a job for so many years. So I was an acute mental health nurse. I worked in an acute team, and and what mm-hmm. do I do for a living? I cold call people. I ring uh, people up. I get in contact with people who don't know who I am, and all of a sudden, I just message people. Hey, do you want to come and do church? You know, like, right. And again, Eugene's always like, "May it please the court." My name is Eugene Clifford. Okay, Bingham, so he does the very in, professional. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, "Hey, journalist. you want to go on church radio?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, but very much to that. Yeah, a little bit very casual sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. These sort of bring it up respectful, casual, of and yeah, yeah. Because like the other day, I had I had someone on. I'm not going to name them, but they were like, they agreed to come on. Yeah, and they came on, and they're like, "Oh, you know, the biggest thing is lucky. I I kind of know you." Because before I was like, oh, is it safe to go to this person's house yeah. and do a podcast? I'm a very nice person. Yeah, right? you I'm, are, I'm, a very I, nice I person. I'm not that scary. That you are safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but like, so like, it's always been how do you sort of put yourself out there to show that you're because you know I'm I'm taking this pretty seriously, and you yep. guys obviously have taken that to to new levels. You yep. know, going to 120 episodes over the years, you guys have been doing it. So how do you sort of in the early years when you sort of is it a lot of. Uh, declines there's a lot of sort of we haven't had a lot just like, persistence or i mean i we've had we've had three people who have turned us down wow and one was uh the barclay marathons he was a new zealander and he finished the 
Barclay. He was the longest, one of the longest finishers. And we reached out to him. He's just a really private guy. And he said, he was really respectful. He said, look, I'm, I don't think I have anything worthy to say. And he just left it at that. Mm. And we respected that. Um, and we've had one gentleman and one uh, woman who both professional, very well-known professional trail athletes who said they'd come on and sort of stood us up. Mm. And that's been it. So in terms of the, you know. you got a pretty good track record, not to use the pun. (laughs) But you think, and and, and I guess it comes down to the, um, the being a professional trail and ultra marathon athlete. Because we do, it's hard work, and there's oh, unfortunately absolutely. there's or fortunately there's a lot of self promotion. So if people want to, you know, if, if and that's what sponsors look at, and, and they live in that that world. You know, we had, I mean, for instance, we had on this athlete. His name is John Wyatt, and he's a New Zealander, and he lives in Italy, and he is one of the most decorated athletes in world running. You know, and and if you think about like people from Aotearoa doing things of note if you know he's he's won world champ he's been the world mountain running champion so many times he's been mm. he's so famous overseas virtually and un- couldn't get arrested here you know in certain circum in certain circles he's very very well known but he was just before social media you know mm. he's sort of he's he's a little bit older than us uh he's just before social media and he says he you know in terms of his if he had to exist in this world now, he'd find it a lot more difficult because, you know, he was cutting out his clippings out of newspapers and sending them in. And so there's that sense of this feeds into, like, we want to hear from people because we're very interested in hearing people's stories. And then people get a sense of, you know, if they've if their friends come on or if they've seen something else that come on. But also it's a way for people to, it builds the, you know, it gets them out there. So yeah, it's, kind of, it's mutually beneficial. No, absolutely. And I think that's, one of the big things that podcasts can do is mm. if you're very popular and you have someone on, you know, that just could skyrocket their uh, social media followings, for example. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean? Uh, to be fair, I don't think <laughs> I wouldn't be putting that on the top of our CV. Let us uh, I boost would, I your profile. I would just say that. I mean, you guys get quite a few listeners, I yeah, can imagine. Yeah, no, we and, do. Know, and if you're, for example, an interesting person who who's only started running maybe a year in, you know. Yeah. An episode on your podcast wouldn't hurt. No, no, you know it doesn't. I mean? And no. and every little bit helps. You that's know, right. especially if you're looking for sponsors, which is a big thing, right? Yeah, these days, uh, and absolutely. Especially if you, if that's the the road you wanted to go yeah. down, you know, any promotion is yeah, you know, absolutely. Unless it's negative press, I don't know if that helps with <laughs> sponsors. So probably well, not. it depends on what you do, what you what you're trying to do, I guess. Yeah. But no, it, it um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a definite um. It's a balancing act, and we've been very lucky that the people that we've had on, mm. who we've been lucky enough to have on, there's never really been, again, you know, I can count on the sort of the one hand, one finger of one hand or whatever, when we've got that sense that, hang on a second, this has just been, this has perhaps been a bit more cynical than we'd think it would be in ah. terms of, so m- majority, you know, mm. People have been just amazing, and even even you know, you someone's you know doing a job, and and you think okay, that's been mm. fantastic as well. One of my greatest fears on a podcast is to come in and be absolutely challenged every single time I ask a question. Yeah. So my question to you is: Have you ever gone to a podcast episode, you know, and come away with it thinking, "Oh man, that was a lot more harder than I thought it would be in terms of engagement." Every. Um, <laughs> So we've had, like, we talked to a woman last week who's a, 
she's an astrophysicist, right? Wow. And she studies... Do you know what the ice cube uh, neutrino detector is? That's a definite no on my part. Neither did I. And um, <laughs> it's this thing underground in Antarctica, right? And she's talking... And she's just talking about all the stuff, like, you know, that there's particles going from the from the Big Bang that are still traveling to Earth, so 13 billion years that are going through. And she was just laying down the science. And, and Eugene and I were just like, huh? Like, <laughs> so that can be hard. Yeah. Sometimes culturally it's quite difficult. Like, it's really, um, it's it, it can be challenging with our North American friends. Um, you know, like Brits, people from Canada, people from Europe, we tend to have a lot more of the same humor. We've grown mm-hmm. up culturally the same. Um, some of uh, some American guests we've had, perhaps there's a a, a um, they all think we sound like Flight of the Concords <laughs> for the start, and also um, our humour too, like it's very different. Yeah, yeah. like no. I did that Stephen Colbert, but you know when Jacinda Ardern came and picked him up at the airport, mm-hmm. I said that to a woman like, if you come down, I'll come pick oh. you up at the airport, thinking, oh ha ha, and she just <laughs> there was a silence. I was like, oh, I didn't mean that; oh. it was a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please don't me to me. I did. Please, please. Yeah, she's like, you, you're. That's yeah. a, you've overstepped the boundaries. Like, I didn't it, mean to. Sometimes it's just every every like simple things that we take for granted here in New Zealand doesn't actually fly in the states. So. I remember going there, oh, we're going back like three, maybe four years ago. I went to visit my parents. And, yep. and there, I, I got off the plane. I was like, oh, I really need a flat white, man. I, I'm dying. Yeah. You know, I, I just need a coffee right now. Right. So I look for the, you know, they don't have cafe. They don't have, like, we're, we are spoiled for choice for cafes. It's a strip you, you coffee, isn't it? You, you can go around almost every corner and every street. There's, there's one, you mm. know, within, within at least a hundred meter radius from somewhere. Right, so I go in the, the nearest place is not really a, a coffee shop, you know, and and I go in. And I was like, "Oh, hello, miss. Can I can I get a flat white?" And she kind of looks at me. She's like, "Excuse me, <laughs> uh, a flat white." It's kind of and, and I drink flat whites all the time. I don't even know how to make it. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. And then she kind of looks at me. She's like, "Excuse me, I don't. Are you talking about me?" Like, "No, it's a coffee. No, I'm <laughs> so sorry." So she so she assumed I was talking about her being flat and white. Oh, right. So I I backpedal. As much as I can, no, 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 it's a coffee. I'm from New Zealand. Uh, uh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Can I just get a cappuccino, please? And I'll get the hell out of here. And I was just like, ah, oh, see, that's that's a big difference. Culturally different, you know? Yeah. And, and the humor is the same. You know, you can't, things that you and I would find hilariously funny would be like, what, you know, co- context. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always context. Cultural context you know? is definitely it. So talk to me a little bit about running because i know that's a big part of your podcast and a lot of, right i know it's not everything because you have call it you had was it hillary barry you had on it it was it uh not hillary barry uh, there's a there's a journalist that i that i listened to rachel oh, smalley rachel smalley sorry yeah. i don't know why i said hillary barry well, i guess that's the only one i can think of at the top of my head but she had a very interesting story and, and someone who's quite well known here in new zealand yeah you know? so i know it's not only about running well it's almost not about running yeah it is about it's like the there's the avenue right that's yeah. the avenue to get to it's Absolutely. like oh I'm a runner, but yeah. this is all the yep. amazing things I've done yep. over my life. Yeah, but how popular is running in New Zealand? Would you say? Well, I think I mean if you think about Arthur Lydiard, right? Who, as a coach, you know, and and again around here, you know, the foothills of the Waitakere Ranges. Mm. This is his famous, you know, his Waitakere runs. He was coaching world champions, and he wrote a book on jogging and revolutionised. It worldwide. Mm. So tra- traditionally, I think it's been something that 
you know, people take to very mm. well. Again, it depends on your access, though, isn't it? It's it, so people either do it for sport, they do it to train, they do it to as a standalone hobby. It depends on your access. It depends on uh, your how safe it is for you to be there. And I don't mean just safe in terms of physical safety. I mean how safe you feel to engage in the sport. Mm. Um, certainly, when I was you know a, a very overweight, very sick kid. Um, I, I didn't run a step in my childhood because I, I was literally unable to do that. And then um, getting into, you know, sort of going to a Catholic school and physical, you know, it was all about physicality and moving. That I found that incredibly challenging. It wasn't until, yeah, my early, early 30s that I, mm. you know, and I'd begun to become more active at that point. I was cycling a lot. And then when we were moving back home after being away for a couple of years, I started to run and literally lamppost to lamppost to, because um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to be cycling so much because mm. um, we were coming back to Auckland and it was just different. So in terms of, uh, do you mean in terms of running for me? like Yeah, so that was going to be my next, uh, you know, uh, premise would have been sort of what is running for you sort of, it's like that's a stupid, that's a stupid running way to, saved my that's stupid, no running saved my life yeah definitely and yeah. that sounds like a big you know punk rock and running saved my life absolutely so and i mean that in terms of both physiologically mm. and psychologically um and it's not a cure-all but certainly you know in, in all areas of my life and i've got it wrong heaps too because mm. there, and but there's a learning with that too because i'm obsessive about stuff <laughs> but in all areas of my life, um, is better for running. So what is it about running then? Because, you know, when I hear people talk about running, a lot of it has been, you know, um, fitness, you know, you know, nothing, nothing too in depth, you know, they could drop it when, you know, like, like a, like a sack of shit, you know? Yeah. But for you, you you talk about it in a very different sort of, sort of stream. You, You talk about it with a lot of passion and you talk about it like, like you said, it saved your life. Yeah. So what does the whole environment of, of running do for you i guess at a, at a purely physiological standpoint and i don't want to mm. get too sort of mental healthy about this but i mean if you think about sensory modulation your vestibular system and your proprioceptive system and i think about you know proprioceptive i think about like you know george bridge israel dag caleb clark or even think about like someone like case muse or fatonga fussy you know these massive men uh, who are able to pivot on one toe and and dive at a line when there's millimeters and 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 place a ball down or do anyone you know mm. those are just people that come to mind but any sport, um, you know, um, honey hitterwinny for that matter you mm. know like that proprioceptive uh, system is so well defined so they know where they are in space right mm. and that vestibular system that sense of balance they're powerful calming influences i suffered from anxiety not to a clinic i don't think it was a clinical sort of thing but Mm. it held me back in my life and my practice and Mm. and lots of things and running just that sense of being in the moment you know if i come back from a run and i've thought about you know this is annoying me or that's annoying me or that's annoying me i kind of feel a bit cheated Mm. Lots of people think running is therapy. I disagree with that. I think it's therapeutic. It's not therapy, but like it's what it does in terms of that sense. It's that I feel so much calmer and I know where I am in space. Mm. 
So it's grounding. It's so grounding. It's grounding yeah. for you. So grounding. Yeah. Damn. And it, it, it seems to me it's a weighted blanket. It's a it's a it's a weighted dog. It's a it's 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 that sense of that's that's what it is. That mm. and that connection and just sort of being also I think for me it's that constant challenge like being someone who could never you know and, and my family like my dad was incredibly physically fit my grandfather was going to the olympics um but the war happened you know my sister is a champion badminton player very very physically fit and Jeez. i just wasn't you know mm. um and having that sense now of constantly pushing myself not not in a destructive way anymore um i've certainly done that before <laughs> but that sense of I can do this. Mm. I've done this before. I I know what this feels like. It's mm. it's it's a, it's, a, it's a reinforcing thing. So me and you would understand the difference between doing things that are therapeutic and things that are you know in therapy. Absolutely. So would in the running context, how how would you sort of explain that to someone if they came off of the street and asked you, "Hey, I'm the one person that watches uh, Geo's podcast. Can you explain to me <laughs> what you meant by therapeutic?" You know? So lots of people, I think lots of people, and there's, if you go onto Pinterest or go, if you just type in like running as therapy and there's these thousands of like live, laugh, love posters that pop up, mm. you know, that say running is cheaper than therapy <laughs> and stuff like that. And it just makes me want to throw the computer out the window. And I apologize to anyone who's got a running cheaper than therapy um, thing up. No, what, no, don't apologize. They need to rethink their life what, right now. What we find, I mean, and you know you're a professional as well. You know, what mm. we find is, yeah, you feel better, right? Like, you feel better. You feel calmer. You you might look better or you might feel better. You'll, you're physiologically. Resp- physiologically. Yeah. Those same patterns of thought are there. Mm. So, but, and as well, you know, y- you will work on that because you'll be working on delaying gratification. You'll be working on... Um, you know, looking at sitting with emotions, sitting with physical discomfort, sitting with all those stuff, mm. that's helpful. However, if you're going to look to running to solve any deep-seated psychological issues you have, it's just going to push, mm. push It's it just down. another form of distraction. Absolutely. Right? You know, I mean, we use distraction, you know, quite often, especially in the very, uh, you know, as an early way to sort of deal Absolutely. with it. You know, sometimes it's okay to just put things aside and focus on what yep. you need to do now. But if you do that for like a week, two weeks, three weeks, you're not actually solving anything. No. And if that makes a lot of sense, you know, if you think that running is going to solve all your problems, like, oh, you know, I can't pay my bills. I'm just going to go for a run. Yeah. Your bills are still going to be there when Absolutely. you get back. And so that's the same stress. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I put my, I've done that. Absolutely. Oh, of course we all have, Absolutely. right? To some form or another, we've all had to, to try, you know, experience a little bit of escapism during like the really tough times. I mean, t- this, I know you didn't want to talk about 2020 anymore. No, but no, like, let's go. You know, 2020 <laughs> has been that kind of year where a lot of people probably would love to have some form of escape. Yeah. Thing, right? Which I can imagine maybe a lot of people took up running. I know a lot of people took up walking. Heaps of people took up running and cycling. Interestingly, I mean, I was the opposite. I, when going into lockdown, I was really, really fit. I was training for this race in Wellington. It's called Wu2K, which is just incredible. Mm. And I was training and training and training. And I got in such a solid block of training. Then COVID hit, lockdown hit, and we were all, you know, mm. just up at, up against it hard. I ran on the weekends, sort of, and just, I felt like my <laughs> my ultra marathon was actually the co. I just had nothing. I had no extra, it's going to work. Mm. Just 
pouring everything into to hopefully staving this off and planning. However, the the lessons and the fitness that I had sort of carried me through. So I was kind of the opposite. And heaps of people did take up running. It was really cool. Yeah, I mean, there was heaps of. I mean, me and you, you still had to go here. to work. Yeah. yeah, we still had to go to work. But like, I did see so many families, which is great. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that I never thought I'd see. Where you see heaps of families on walks, heaps of yep. people obviously keeping quite a lot of distance from yeah. each other as they pass, which looked really annoying from time to time. Yeah. Um, but not anymore, which is unfortunate. So it was like a little bit of a. You got, we got nothing to do. Let's go for a walk or let's go for a run. Mm. You know, but. I'm imagining there's a lot of people that kept it on, which is great, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Certainly, I mean, where I live, I'm lucky enough to live by Riverhead Forest. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, it's busier than it's ever been. And, and I've been there 10 years, you know, and I used to, there was no one there. There's me and some pig, well, not just me, but there was a couple <laughs> of us and some pig hunters, you know. Yeah. And um, now there's heaps and heaps of people. And it's really, really good to see people getting out and getting amongst it. Because yeah. I guess that's what we used to do, right? Like. Of course. I mean, before technology and TV and phones and everything, we used to get out there. I mean, I had a conversation with someone about my kids and how I feel very uncomfortable them going on their bikes down the road, mm. you know, for, for multiple reasons, yeah. you know. And then I think back to my childhood, I kind of just got home from school, didn't even say goodbye to everyone, Absolutely. bag off on the bike, and I was gone f- until eight-ish, yeah. you know. But then I think, again, different time, you know. Different, different context. Con- different context. Yeah. Different country. Absolutely. That was, that was Tonga. Yeah. You know, everything was, you know, hop skipping away, really. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, but it was like, I was just thinking to myself when I saw that, you know, this is what we could be. Yeah. Right? We just need to be forced into it. <laughs> Ideally, we, we don't need a big, a bad enough incentive like, like a virus to yeah. sort of get us out and start looking after our health. Because that's what I've noticed the most, you know, is that people are more conscious of their health since, since since the COVID incident happened. Uh, me personally, you know, I've, I've started dieting a lot more better and, and being more aware of my health. Like I'm fairly youngish, you know. You're 30, a young man. 30, 30. It's all, for you, it was all are uphill. you 30? So I turned 30 this year, Matt. Man, I forget that. You know what? I forgot it too. From 27, 28, 29, I thought I was still 26. Yeah. So everyone asked me, oh, how old are you? Guess. Oh, you're 30. No, I'm 26. And then now I actually, no, I am 30 now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 44 in March. Oh, that's still young, Matt. <laughs> it doesn't feel it when you think of it. This is the thing, right? You you put yourself in your context. Of course. And, and I go, wow. 44 feels a lot further. It's a lot closer to 50 than 30 is. I'll tell you that's what. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But I'm no longer in my 20s now, no. which is a big change for me. You know, and then sort of 30s doesn't sound as right. Oh, I'm 29, you know, 28. Maybe I, maybe I can see how far I can pull this 29 scheme. Mm. <laughs> I'm Absolutely. 29. I'm 29. Not that age actually matters really, right? It, there's a lot of 44-year-olds who are way more fitter than I am. Right. There's a lot of 29-year-olds who are, and this is the thing, I think, it, again, it comes back to that, you know, you mentioned people are more conscious of their health. Mm. A, because, yeah, when, when you're facing a, a virus that... That could kill you. That could kill right. you, and it doesn't matter who you are, mm. you know, um, it it does, it also, it, it does, it's sort of the, that finality of, of when none of us are getting out of this alive, right? It's that finality. Mm. Might as well enjoy yourself. And also, I don't know about you, bro, but like working in healthcare and especially working in mental health, but even working in physic, working in mm. an ED environment, the amount of people that we see who are our age, respectively, who express their health in such a poor manner is, I, I think it's tragic. 
it's a hard one, eh? I mean, it's and very complex. Ju- yeah, no, there's no judge. It's, ju- it's not like it's tragic. Cause I'm, no, but, but, <laughs> it, but it is though, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, when we, when you and I talk about it, we know that there's a complicated history, mm. you know, mm. you know, present yeah. that sort of has contributed to how this person presents. Absolutely. Um, but we also have to call it for what it is. It, yeah. it is very tragic, very sad. I mean, statistically, what clients that we see in mental health have a what. 20 years less 20 life years, expense, yeah. ex, ex, you yeah. know, expectancy, yep. you know, so you can see why, yeah, you know, because yeah. me and you were on the front lines, yeah. you know, more often yeah. than not. And it's something I've always contemplated and thought about and thinking, you know, and, and, you know, from time to time, I really sit down and think, you know, could we be doing more? You I know? think definitely. I mean, it, it even got me to think about and... um I'm, th- I'm aware that there's a camera there and I'm also aware how much I talk with my hands. No, Sorry. no, no, that's fine. I'm going to bang the boom in a second. I, I think about like when I saw everyone getting out, you also think about, you address the, how am I living my life? Mm-hmm. You know, I start to think about like, wouldn't it be great if there was a universal income? I started to think about that. Like, is there a, like a practical utopia that we could have where things are easier so we're not all busting our... Uh, chops every second of every day for what mm. um i also think that there's a massive you know and again it comes down to this disparity between like how is it that as you know a, you know a palangi guy who worked i'm entitled to become this i could eat myself to death i could drink, drink rich red wine and goose whatever <laughs> all the time <laughs> if i wanted to because i've earned it mm. right and then quite happily go and have a heart attack and go into um, ED, and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, you need to make some health choices." But this, and yet, there's this almost this tax, and it's a socioeconomic tax, or it's a well, we know it's a it's a skin color tax. It's the, it's it's that systemic tax on other people who don't express their health because of I don't know poverty and all mm. those um, mental illness, all those other factors, colonialism, all those other factors, mm. and this pandemic, it, it, it thought like, yeah, can't could we be doing stuff differently i think the answer is definitely yes yeah i mean the universal income i've sort of chopped and changed on that from Mm. time to time from one thing i can see the benefit of it absolutely you know i mean depends on how you're going to be pushing it through you know what kind of legislation you're going to put around it but on the other side is is it affordable you know are we going to make the country bankrupt in doing that but then then again it comes back to my original point how do you sort of how are you going to present that right it has to be very clever yeah and and very smart you know you're going to have to put some benefits back and make it replace that some things will remain the same but it has to be tax has to go up you know there has to be a certain way of doing it but i do think it it can work you know and i think the whole idea behind universal income and having that protected sort of income to sort of keep you in in some sort of um you know you're not sort of worrying about things and i guess the thing with that then is that and I, i i this isn't my own idea i i heard this somewhere else i can't remember the gentleman's name but he wrote you i think he wrote practically utopia or something like that Mm. he says you have to then remove any sort of paternalism from the money so if i give it to you you are free to spend it on whatever you it's yours yeah yeah and that's that's across the board yeah you know i mean even people making a million bucks will will We'll yeah, qualify for absolutely. it. And, and I think that's that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. No, it's it, universal. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I can get behind it. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people. I don't know if you were watching the original American um, 
politics or how much you do watch it. But there was a, a, a too much. Yeah, okay, me too. I'm a bit <laughs> obsessed by it. But there was a gentleman, Andrew Yang, who came yeah, through. Andrew Yang, yeah, so yeah. he came up with a pretty decent idea. I mean, he reframed it and called Yang it the uh, yeah. what did he what did he call it the freedom dividend, yeah. which is so fucking American. I ca- I can't even stress. I kind of roll my eyes yeah, what he yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, we did a you know we tested around in the on the population that they really freedom reacted dividend. well to the freedom dividend. I don't know, maybe the freedom part was. <laughs> yeah, but but he came up with a lot of good ideas, and actually, I was quite disappointed he didn't um, get closer to sort of the nominee for the Democratic Party. I mean, he was probably the most uh, him and my other favorite was Tulsi Gabbard, actually. Yeah. Like, those two were probably my go-to picks, you know, uh, for the Democratic Party. And I think because they were so transparent, you yeah. know, you just had to go to his website and he had his policies yeah, yeah, written yeah. for you to yeah. read. Um, but no, he was a big... And I think his conversation with Joe Rogan on his podcast actually made me reconsider my stance on it. Right. So politically i kind of sit more center right right you know so yeah. um and usually when i think about it, i think I, I i think as weird as it sounds you know for pacific island to be sort of in that sort of space i do think that if we can incentivize certain things it could be better for everyone but Absolutely. but but that's the difficulty right that's always going to be the difficulty is how do you incentivize things that aren't profitable at the moment you know i mm. think of i had a conversation with uh, an environmentalist last week and you know, we kind of got into a conversation about, you know, moving into the renewable energy, yeah, yeah, you know, area, which is what we desperately need to be doing with Absolutely. climate change, with all the shit that's happening in the world. It it's it needs to be done sooner rather than later. Yeah, and the current methods that I've noticed and sort of what we talked about was it's it's not really pushing because we have people who are making billions of dollars with, you know, with fuel. Well, that's the thing, you man. Know? I mean, people are getting their back scratched, right? Yeah. But if we make it incentive, I don't know how. You know, this yeah. is me just having an idea but not knowing how to follow no, it through. No, exactly. You I'm know? the same. Yeah, just throwing it out there for any of those economic people who actually <laughs> have a degree in you economics. An economist on. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. That's a good idea. Call to any economist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Head out to any economist. Come on, man. Tell me if I'm wrong or right. And if <laughs> I'm right, I am copywriting this shit right now. <laughs> I, I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? And I think about like, you talk about a universal basic income. You talk about like, say, a wealth tax. Or whatever. I think if I was earning, I don't know, say if I was earning like a couple of million dollars a year, mm. it's not sitting in my mattress, right? You're investing it, you're investing mm. it, you're investing it. The tax, there's 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 supports in place to make you get that much money. Mm. Nine times out of ten, you're going to make more money, and the money that you make keeps making money, and then of course. It, so you're taxing you you're Taking the thin end of the wedge, aren't you? You're taking mm. a little bit. That's a very simplistic thing that I think of, and it's probably wrong, but mm, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's, I guess it's own. It comes down to ownership, doesn't it? It comes mm. down to that sense of of what's value not. values too. Right? Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think values too. I mean, my question is always, what, what, when is it? What what is enough? What is too much? Yeah, what's too much? You know, Jeff Bezos is obviously what more in does that. That motherfucker need. Nothing. Sorry, can I say that? You can say whatever the fuck you want, <laughs> All right, Matt. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what more does he need? Nothing. That's the point. You know, it's like at some point it's like, yeah, you can sort of admire the, you know, the ingenuity, the business he's built. You can admire how much money he makes, but then at some point it's like what the fuck do you need all this That's money gross. for? You know, gross. I mean, I'm kind of glad his wife took a big chunk of it with but her. Even, when she even had, then, but even that's still a lot of money. You know, I mean, 
the way that you know we can't talk about you know people who have a lot of money they don't actually sit with it with you know they've got like checks and checks that they no, just it's write. Like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, right? yeah. Like. Oh, can you imagine? Now that I think, sorry to go off topic, but now that I think about Scrooge McDuck, how is he not injured every yeah, time yeah, he dives he, into? Dead. Dead the, as a yeah, yeah, yeah. You can imagine time. instead of diving, he just kind of gets stuck. Yeah, bang. Yeah, right there on top of his gold coins. That's right. But um, you know, I think. The money that they usually have, they, they invest, right? So the, the more yep. money that they invest, the more money they should be getting back. Yeah. So it's maybe looking at how do we tax it, as, as hurtful as that sounds for me to say, you know, because that, that, I mean, I'm not unreasonable. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, no more taxes. Like, fuck, man, we need taxes. Taxes yeah. is what makes a lot of, makes my job, my main job, you know, viable. Absolutely. You know, if, if, if the government wasn't going to pay for it, you know, at the moment, we don't have the infrastructure for private people to run the mental system. No. You know, I don't know whether you want to go into that at the moment. but I, uh, Well, I just say I don't think healthcare or the military should be a business. Well, no. Full stop. No. There you go. No, I agree with that. No, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, fuck, man. I mean, if, how do you sort of say, you know, put budget into sort of caring for others? Yeah, you know? look, I mean, it's hard. Uh, it's hard. I know it's not. It's not. It's this is the utopia we're talking about. Yeah. You know, where we don't have to worry about budgets and money. Yeah. You know, we're we're Star Trek. We don't need money. And thinking about the pandemic, mm. and being involved, very minute. Like, well, I guess I, I was sucked up into the tractor beam of planning, right? And mm. found myself in some meetings, just going, "How did I get here?" I turned up to work yesterday and i wasn't in these meetings and today i'm in these meetings and i don't understand what anyone's talking about and i don't know i want to go home um <laughs> basically just keep it together i yeah, don't understand yeah. what any of these acronyms are i don't understand mm. people find i i don't know is it a systems thing mm. and i get, again come back to running about pushing boundaries or pushing expectations or pushing what you feel you can do or what you feel you can cope with or what you feel is possible mm. People sit very comfortably in systems and they get very comfortable in grooves. When COVID happened, like the will, you think about the the, uh, is it the, the, S, the Pfizer vaccine that's coming yes. out. Yes. You know, 11 months. Yeah, I'm skeptical. Not, not that but, I'm a conspiracy 11, theorist. 11 months, man. Mm. Like, it was whooping cough. No, it was mumps. Mm. Was the next, uh, the runner-up in terms of from yeah. woe to go. And that was four years. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, it, it's having that will, right? And having that, and actually someone going, doesn't matter about, we've always, always done it this way, let's try something new. Mm. And I wonder, and it sounds, and again, I I mean, Jesus, man, my sister got COVID. You know, I thought she was going to die the week of her 40th birthday. We were, I, was, I was, remember sitting in my lounge going, can't get over there, can't do it, you know, gonna hop, can't hop on a plane, there's no flights. I'm not saying that, there's silver linings because that feels like a bit twee and a bit, you know, so there's been so much pain, so much heartache, so much mm. uncertainty, people losing their jobs, people, you know. And at the same time, it's shown us what can happen if we put our minds to it. I mean, think about climate change. Of think course. about renewable energy. If we have a will to do it, we can... We can definitely do we it. We can do it. No, absolutely. I mean, aside from me being skeptical with the, with the vaccine, but like <laughs> it's, it's a feat of... of 
unimaginable ingenuity. Yeah. 11 months. 11 months. You yeah. know, and, you know, and I didn't, re- no one really th- thinks about how long it takes to, you know, create a vaccine. You know, yeah. we watch movies. It, it happens within yeah. an hour. Yeah. You know, you know, um, some guy finds a piece of blood and, you know, yeah. cool, we got the vaccine. It, it actually takes a lot of time, mm. a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of man hours. Yeah. You know, just grinding it out, finding the right vaccine. And for us to do it in 11, you know, 11 months, no. That that's pretty much on show what human sort of Absolutely. willpower can actually yep. do, and and we can afford what we think we can afford, and we can afford what we want to afford. Yeah. It's all it's all a state of mind, you Absolutely. know. If it's important and you don't want to die, of course, you know, yep. you know, we just need to sort of be able to sort of pivot and use that kind of mentality for a whole bunch of other stuff. Absolutely. You know? So it's just more about what's important because yep. there's not a lot of billionaires out there thinking, oh fuck, I'm not going to get any money back from you know investing yep. in the vaccine, right? But I don't want to die, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, and you're damn sure they are gonna get money back from oh, of course. the vaccine because it's oh, Pfizer, you know. Yeah. Like. But then they would they put money into it, you know. I mean, like I yeah. think that's been, which is kind of a good and a bad thing. But you know, resources and being able to allocate that in the right sort of manner mm. has sort of led to that. You know. But then I and I guess it's that thing, isn't it, that you contribute your strength, what your strength is. So we mm. contributed, and it's our job. We contributed by rolling up every day. Oh. When we were frightened, when we were tired, when we were uncertain, when mm. we thought at the start that oh, might as well just like it's not. I don't know about you, but I was like, it's, if not when I get COVID, mm. you know, we were all thinking like that. Of course. And that's that was our contribution. And I'd like to think if I had, I don't know, stacks of cash, like stacks of cash, and that's the cash was making more money that I could contribute by mm. flicking a little bit of. Yeah, you know? I mean, it, a lot of people were conflicted, I think, because we work in the community, so we're not like hospital, you know, the person who comes in may or may not have it. We're actually in an environment where I think that it's higher likely that we may catch it without but, knowing. Uh, you look at the, you know, you know the, that Guardian article and they had the first, I think it was the first 50 healthcare workers in the UK that had passed away from COVID. There was a not exclusively, there was a good proportion of mental health nurses in there mm. because our people don't social distance, they have overcrowded housing, they don't adhere to mm. hygiene all the time, they, they are unable to express their health and have mm. inequ- inequity and inequality of, of outcome. Mm. And our, our people, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting, and I'm not surprised that that was the case. I mean, New Zealand has been very lucky. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think we've been... Re- ridiculously lucky as, as as fearful as i was which i was yeah. you know i was like i watched too many you know end of the world movies this yeah. is this is a plot of i feel very familiar Absolutely, being in this place right? next thing it's the nazi zombies coming out yeah you know? <laughs> yeah yeah you know so i think we're very lucky in the sense that you know um we knuckled down you know i i i, I believe when the prime minister closed the borders that was the best thing we could do going to lockdown best thing we could do the economic part of it that we're just going to have to bear that on the chin, unfortunately. As shitty as that sounds and how unfair that sounds to a lot of people, I think if you had to weigh it up, you know, the economy running pretty smoothly or, you know, Everyone half did. of the population dead. Absolutely. You know, I think you, it it would be hard to, to sort of say, no, I want the economy to keep running. I want mm. the stories to keep going and stuff like yeah. that. I feel for them. You know, I we work directly with certain mm, people who, who, who's experienced it's that. It's impacted on our business, of course. In, in, in the sense, not our business, uh, on our profession, in the sense mm. that we're busier than ever now, right? 
Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Christmas is usually a busy time anyway, the Christmas yeah. period. But I think this time it, it's almost unprecedented yeah. how, how busy we are. Yeah. And I think my I, I've called it wrong heaps of times this, this round. After the first lockdown, I said, oh, no, we're not going to go into another lockdown. We're pretty good. And yeah. Another fucking lockdown. And then I said during the first lockdown, it's, we're going to be inundated with calls. We're going to be busy everyone did it we thought it was and it was like a slow trickle it's like it started off pretty okay because everyone was wanting to stay home yeah everyone was okay we had very strict protocols on how we engage with people and then you know just i was like oh no no we're gonna be good now and then it just got busier Mm. and busier and busier because i think with a lot of people it took time yeah absolutely the the second lockdown didn't help no i don't think i think if you're like right there on the edge of keeping your job, keeping your sanity, keeping whatever, you know, semblance of normality, you know, for yeah. your current environment. The second lockdown kind of really was that final blow for a lot of people. Look, the second lockdown <clears throat> sucked. I mean, we we were we were planning, so Rebecca and I, my wife, we put on a race with another, we're very lucky we got asked to sort of co-race direct. Um, it's cool. called a, a backyard ultramarathon. So it's a 6.7 kilometer loop and you do it, every hour until there's a winner so you start on the hour you go and you go and you go it's like satan's beep test you just go press until you collapse and don't want to do it anymore until you can't until you either you 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 can't finish the lap in the time Mm. or you tap out oh wow and so we had this it was it was called it's called the riverhead relapse and we were one of the so the guy who started the barclay marathons layers lake he was he was coming to new zealand he was coming to, um, you know, he was coming to New Zealand. We were going to into podcast with him, which is going to be cool. Raise money. He was. We were a golden ticket event for the world uh, champs. It got called off the first during the first lockdown, and it was the second time we'd run it. And you know, we were the first country in the world where a woman had won it, so it was awesome. super significant, right? And it was planned for. We'd, we'd had a backup time, and it was planned, I think, for August fifteenth. 17th 17th of august mm. we were, i was literally i was in bed with rebecca you know really worried about that because i was wrecked from you know just really that resil- not feeling very resilient i could stay up for four days but really excited about it too mm. we had a camper van booked we had all these athletes coming from all over new zealand and and they were coming from australia as well but that, then the borders closed they were all coming and i got a text on my phone it was eugene he's like pm's on tv at nine bro and we sat in bed and watched, you know, the, mm. the, the lockdown. Yeah. And I got a text message from Sean, who's the guy that we put the race on with. And I mean, he was, he was, A, he was running the race himself because he's, I mean, he, he ran around Auckland as a training run. So it's, it's 320 yeah. kilometers. That's so he <laughs> ran around in one go. He just took off and it was amazing. And I, I got to say, man, like I was, I hadn't got through the, I hadn't got through the entire uh, prime minister's press conference. I'd already got out of bed, dug my scrubs out of the cupboard because I, you mm. know, put them. I don't need these anymore. I'm back in mufti because we'd always been. That was a big change, right? We were in uniform. Yeah, all of yeah a sudden. it was really odd seeing you guys really in, in, odd. in scrubs. Yeah, I thought we'd we'd evolved and moved on for that, but it makes sense, right? Yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I had my scrubs out. I had my bag ready, my go bag ready. I was like, right, business as usual. Bump. Mm. and i just snapped back in but man it was so hard yeah yeah i mean and i can't think of like sorry just that sense of like it knocked it out of me 
and I think I'm reasonably psychologically intact and I know my job's safe, mm. you know, and I know my wife's job's safe and my kids are going to be okay. Mm. And I can't imagine how that felt for like business owners yeah. or, yeah. you know, and, and being on the other side of it with our run, we just gone, canceled, done. I know a lot of things got canceled. A lot of things. It's, it's the most abnormal year yeah. that anyone has ever had. 100%. I mean, I mean, it's abnormal to the sense where not a lot of people in this generation has experienced like the Spanish flu or no. all of those other massive pandemics. Although this one at a rate was higher, I think. Didn't yeah, it? this it, is the roaring 20s, man. So, so this, is... This, is, this is quite, you know, so it's like we don't have, like we, you read stuff, like we've been, for wars is, is a good example, right? We kind yeah. of always, you know, always think, oh, you know, that war was worse and then the next one comes around, that mm. one's worse and the next one comes around, that one's worse. This is our, you know, to a certain degree, this is kind of like our defining moment as our, generation moves forward right you know, i hope had... so i hope there's nothing coming around well, the corner well, I'm, a very, I'm a very pessimistic so i always think something bad's always happening around the corner but That's i right. think what i am very happy about you know and, and i was talking about new zealand context is yeah. that the way that we've banded together absolutely you know has yeah. been something where i've been very proud of yeah you know yeah. And, and very very you know, very privileged to sort of be in a country like this. And, you know, I, th I think of, you know, my parents now back in Tonga and my brother in the States who actually got COVID as well. Oh, bro. Yeah, so he was he was in boot camp. So he, he chose the wrong time to join the Navy, man. <laughs> right, okay. So he joined the Navy, went to boot camp, caught COVID, was not was isolated for like two weeks. But he was very lucky. You know, yeah. he said he only got, you know, a fever for like one night. And then huh. and he still can't taste things at the moment. Like right, his taste yeah. buds are, are not 100% back but he yeah can, it's definitely getting better but he huh. said that's the long lasting thing yeah and i asked oh what kind of treatment did they give you oh a couple of paracetamols and yeah. they just kind of just monitor me very closely yeah. um which is very concerning and but that's the thing with it right you either get like so mm. my sister my brother-in-law and the two boys got it right i wow. think steve was asymptomatic mm. the boys were maybe a little bit sick and kate's got their long tail you know and she's wow mm. She's not wrecked, but she's sick ass still, mm. you know? And and then you don't, it's that rhyme or mm. reason, right? Yep. And now that there's that debate whether that actually gives you some partial immunity yeah. moving forward. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of solid science behind <laughs> that at the moment because there's been plenty of people who's gone sick and then got sick again yeah, yeah. not too long after. Mm. So that's that's always going to be the issue. But, you know, the the weird thing is what what this has made me, it's, it's sort of, it's, I found a side of me which has been very optimistic, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it, it, you know, like I said, not that I base my life and things I see around on movies, but I watch a lot of bloody movies, Yeah, you know, and art imitates life, Absolutely. you know, and from time to time, life imitates art. And when this shit went down, I imagined riots. I imagined I have to buy a shotgun. I'm sitting out there, yeah, you know, yeah, having yeah. to chase people away. Like these are the things that's going through my Look, mind. Well, you know, I had a I had a relative who was saying the exact same thing. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be anarchy. It's going to be people coming for our flat screen television. <laughs> you know, and I was yeah. like, hey, everyone's just everyone's got a flat screen television. Yeah, they don't yeah. need your flat screen television. They're coming most likely for your food. <laughs> more, yeah. more often than not, like you can't watch flat screen with the power companies all out that's of business. right when you're hungry yeah <laughs> and, and that's the thing though i think if you flip it on it said yes we've been really lucky but if you think about it we've also been incredibly pragmatic mm. we've and we've been disciplined and i think as a you know there, and there's such a lot of like there's so many you think about the pacifica diaspora mm. in auckland you know it's, it's just that it's that melange of cultures of experiences and it's underneath or this overarching umbrella and it seems that people who turn up here 
there is that practicality, eh? It's, it's a certain, just a stoicism, not even a stoicism, but just a practicality. And everyone went, okay, and went inside. Yeah. It was, I mean, how mad was that? Like, you've got, this is it. you got mm. two days, and you go. Yeah, I think with the, with the Pacific community, I think what was great was all our leaders were saying the same thing. There wasn't a lot of divide. There's not a lot of debate about mm. what we should do. Not to mention we were us maori were the more at risk groups yeah you know in terms of physical health poverty access to health care you know seeking help for one mm. so that i think one. damn right know, yeah i think in terms of what i'm really happy about you know we were one of the highest populations to go get tested mm. you know and it, it goes to show again you know that with the right willpower and, and the right message you know yeah. th- shit can get done and that disgusting i thought it was disgusting the <laughs> And this isn't a crack at the the mainstream or the, just how they they termed the South Auckland family. Oh, I always was take dis- crack that, at the mainstream. That, it's that was fun. disgusting. You know, it's like there was mm. an Auckland family that did everything <clears throat> right. Mm. So when the second that something mm. they got tested, they ice, they did every damn thing mm. right. Like you should be lifting these people up, going, "This is how you do." Mm. You know, and dealing with that fear and uncertainty. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because the very same issue happened on the North Shore, but they didn't know they didn't yeah. say they were from the North Shore, were the North they? Shore they just family. said North Auckland Auckland family. they just said Auckland family. Mm. You know? It's it like I said, there's 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 things that are overly complicated and it could have been just a, a slip of the tongue, or maybe that person resides in South Auckland and knows they're in South Auckland and all they've been talking about is mm. outbreaks in South Auckland and mm. then you know, it just came out South Auckland family. Whether it was, you know, some people were telling me, you know, oh, this is proof that racism is, is really, really rampant. I was like, no, it wouldn't be solid proof. I think I think there was a lot of unconscious... Uh, systemic bias. Yeah, yeah, exists. you know, um, which is still a little bit different than sort of outwardly sort of mentioning South Auckland in a racist term. I think it was more, it just happened to be South Auckland. It was really unfortunate. It was a really shitty timing, I think. And I don't think behind it was like, you know, uh, you know, South Auckland is shit. You know, yeah. cause I made heaps of fun about it. I was like, yeah, you know, called my cousin from South Auckland. Fuck, can you guys get your boys together, man? <laughs> you guys are fucking it up for the rest of us. You know, we're, West Auckland's good, man. Yeah, we yeah, good. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're holding it down. You know, we're going gonna to be the last you know, last place in Auckland that's going to be holding it down. Put- we're not going to let anyone in. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think I think a lot of people jump straight into the racism thing a little bit too quick mm. you know i i i mean listen i'm, I'm not that ignorant to say that it's not happening right of course well, do you think you're just resilient to it because it's something that it's I, a don't, bit of both. I don't face it, it's a little bit of both i mean it's not like i have a lot of people say you know racist things to my face you know no um and i don't think i i work and and live in environments where that's a big issue we live in easy you know we don't live in like the united states where you know racism would be more of a bigger issue there than here mm. i do think like my issue is i'm afraid that we start to water down the word racism too much you know yeah 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 so, yeah, th- so yeah, that's yeah. my thing i think we call it out, we should call it out for what it is if it's there but fuck you need to be sure that that's that's it there's, there's ignorant people you know mm. and, and i think there's a difference between ignorant and and, and racism you know, there's some people that are stupid and refuse to sort of change with the times, but they're not going to be like, you know, I refuse you entry to here or I refuse yeah, your right. service. I refuse you. You know, I don't sort of say they, old people, you know, that they, they don't have any malice behind it. It's just the culture that they grew up in. You know, so Although, I make allowances for yeah, some things. Make allowances, I guess, but as well. And I, and I mean, I know like you're, this, mm. you're talking to like a, <laughs> no, no, no. a heteronormative 
but this is mm. the thing, and I stand from a position as a, as an ally. Like mm. I'm perfectly aware that I fell out of the privilege tree and hit every branch on the way down, right? <laughs> and I have this discussion with my son all the time, and it it, it maddens him, and he gets so annoyed with it. Mm. And I'm just like, dude, you're gonna get an easier ride. And that's okay. Mm. Well, actually, that's how it is. It's not okay. That's how it is. Don't be like, mm. uh-huh about it. Because if someone gave you a lotto ticket that mm. had the winning numbers, you'd be sweet with that. Mm. Recognize it. Mm. Do you think it's more, like what I've noticed, is it's less, like old people being racist. Not, mm. not every, you mean <laughs> not every not senior citizen <laughs> is a racist. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Put that as the tagline." Yeah, Matt yeah. Raymond says, "Every senior citizen." Oh no, is I'm going to I'm going to cut this part of the video and, and promote it. Please do. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that essence of you know that again construct. Absolutely mm. right. Mm. I grew up listening to a tribe called Quest. Mm. Right. I grew up one of my favorite records, and it's totally you know absolutely biting African American culture. There is a there's several songs on that record, Midnight Marauders. I was playing it in the lounge the other day because it's dad music now. <laughs> and my kids were like, dad, this record, you, are you, what? You know, it's the N-word. Yeah, are you second. listening? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like listening to Wu-Tang Clan in front right. of like a public <laughs> enemy or, a public or enemy. anything like that. NWA, yeah. NWA. NWA. <laughs> and, and so in the context, mm. you know, like um, words change and the the thing but i think systemically that's the important stuff that we need to consider and uh, maybe it's the fact that i'm a desk jockey now uh <laughs> in my job and i deal with much more kind of system stuff but it's the systemic hmm. bias that i think we need to kind of yeah i mean attack more than the it's like climate change it, right you could say the system. is it is it the fact that you know hmm. maybe i burn the odd <laughs> Maybe I'll take my V12 out just once this week as opposed to every day. Right, exactly. Or is it the fact that there's these massive corporations that are earning money that that have a vested interest? I think it's like that with racism as well. People are, there's a, it's bear baiting, right? Mm. I mean, context matters, I think. I think think context matters a lot. I think if we're talking about racism and we're talking about racism directly impacting us we have to talk about racism in the new zealand context right absolutely like we don't have the best past just think of the dawn raids all the other no. things that's happened to 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 maori in particular with the the land issues you know all, all, we, we can sit here and list things forever and ever and ever i guess my personal view on things is yes the system doesn't help but i think we've come so far from the time in the 60s 70s 80s to where we are now, yeah. where the system isn't that big of an issue. You know, I don't think, mm. I, I mean, this, this is a personal view of mine. I think a lot of it has to do, and I'm not saying it doesn't have anything to do. Absolutely. I think a lot of it has to do with mentality. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a certain degree where there's things we can't change. You know, we can bitch and moan about it as much as we can. And I think over time, because time will, you know, as the world evolves, as people's opinions evolve, and perspectives changes, it'll evolve in that way. Yeah, But I think my biggest issue with some of the conversations that I've heard other people say and conversations I just hear on a day-to-day basis is that the system is the only thing that has fucked you over, you know? And to a certain degree, they're right. But I also believe that if that was necessarily true, then we'd see no brown leaders, no brown politicians, none of that, right? Mm. So I think we're not perfect, but I think we're getting better and better over time. And I think what we're kind of lacking at the moment, um, 
is having conversations with our children and the next generation saying, the, you know, the, I mean, there's no law at the moment that says, you know, no Pacific people can go to university. There's no Pacific people that can have access to this, you know? Right. And I think what we haven't caught up with is believing that, is that yeah, we don't right. have some, that there's no unknown entity out there sort of stopping brown kids from achieving school stuff. Yeah. You know, there's no person that's really out there um, arresting kids for no, for no reason. You know, I think there's certain there's certain mentalities that Pacific Pacific I'll, I'll talk about Pacific course, you know, Pacific yeah, people yeah. have, which doesn't help the case culturally. For one, would be we would identify someone, and I had this conversation with uh, Christian Maliotto Brown, who's a very right wing New Zealand gentleman. But he, but in terms of the culture, I, I agreed with him is that we we choose someone who would go to university in the family, and that's the one. Yeah, one. right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we have a, you know, um, a lot of families have evolved over the time. Like my family was, you know, very Western in terms of the way that we view things. Like my mom and dad highly valued education. Mm. They didn't settle for anything less than a degree. They wanted great jobs. They've been encouraging all the way through. So I've been very lucky in that sense. And I think, and before that, it's not like we were born into money or anything like that. You know, my grandparents and their parents before them were quite poor and then you know they slowly built things you know mm. and then sort of got us to where we are now and i think not that we're the gold standard but i think to a certain degree like having that belief knowing that you can actually that this space right. is for you right yeah yeah you know because and, and it's a little bit controversial but you know there's nothing like a plantation show where there's nothing you know without saying one thing controversial is when you sort of have these different spaces that are left for Pacific people, you know, like this is a Pacific space just for Pacific people. This is a bit, so this is going to be the weird part. Is I think that's that's another form of segregation in a certain degree. You I, know? I, it's, it, a, it's, it's complex and, and very. No, Killer Mike talks about it from, mm. from Run the Jewels. And, yes, and I find it really. I mean, again, as a white dude, it's like I've never had. You know, I was thinking about it driving over. I think about. Oh, man, you're, the, you're one of the brownest. Like dudes no, I, I know, know man, I, and I, you know? but I, but and I wear my prejudice. Like I, I have all. I am a product. You know, I am mm. a product of my upbringing, and I'm very lucky that I came from. Mm. You know, I, I'm very lucky that I had the support of my parents. Um, mm. to, you know, um, just that 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 work mm. ethic and to to kind yeah. of think about stuff and as well, like I'm a dude who even as a man in nursing i turned being a minority into an advantage and only yeah. a white dude could do that like only a white dude could turn being a minority mm. into a powerful advantage i think males in nursing is is quite an advantage absolutely yeah. so i think yeah i mean that's an interesting way to, to put it but i think if the context of that particular thing is that in psychiatry males are preferred like for an impatient because sometimes it can get quite physical yeah, right? yeah, from time to time not not that that makes us better than there's a no, ton it, of female it, it, nurses no, it, that it, it run doesn't. circles around me Absolutely. you know a lot of a lot of my you know biggest mentors like mila yeah, for yeah. example is one of the biggest people yeah. that sort of influenced my practice absolutely you know but i think it, it comes down to context always you absolutely. know it's like we need to like that there's a reason why there's you know certain security guards and, and psych assistants you know a male because sometimes yeah you know it's, it's one of the worst parts of our jobs but sometimes we do have to put hands on but he did right? and i guess going back to your mm. absolutely mm. And, and, and choice and choice you know and it comes back to that that discussion that 
you were saying about the Pacifica space. Mm. And I remember my wife wrote a paper because she's doing postgraduate criminology because she's so much smarter than I am. <laughs> and she was talking about um, that thing about, yeah, the two system. Why do we have, you know, people say we should have a justice system for this group and a justice system for this, say tikanga justice system and mm. this. However, what we do, and we do it in mental health too, there should be tikanga, there should be Pacifica, there should be, mm. but we won't trust them with the big stuff. Mm. So you either go all in or you integrate it into your society. Do you know? Mm. And I, there's that sense, and what Killer Mike talks about is during segregation, although, yeah, racism was terror, and racism is terrible, and Jim Crow and lynchings and mm. all that, you had community. You had African-American money staying in African-American communities. You had mm. people producing things. You had the means of production. You had all of that. And I, I get that sense. It's that... that and it's something that I, I don't have that experience of. Do you know what I mean? I've sort of benefited from the, <laughs> from I mean, the richness I mean, listen, of it. To, to, to some degree, neither do I. You know, yeah. I, I didn't grow up in, in an environment where I was segregated. You know, I went to school in Tonga and we had Palangi guys who came over and moved where their parents had work in Tonga. Yeah. Grew up together, moved here, went to Auckland Grammar. Not the most multicultural of schools. No. You know, um, but, you know, being in an environment where... I wasn't a majority yeah, for, right. for once in my life. Yeah. You know, that was different, but mm -hmm. it, it was fine. Yeah. You know, I don't think I actually had a direct experience where I was like, no, you can't come in here because X, Y, Z. Yeah, right. You know? So I think the American context is always different because it's always to the extreme because yeah. they've been through it. And it's yeah, such yeah. a recent time. Well, they're going through it. Well, they're still going through it, you know, but, it, but you know, at the worst part of it, it, it wasn't that long ago. Really. No. Like 200 years, something like that, something the less than... Six, no, 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 that's 60s. how long it lasted. Sorry. So, like, during the 60s was... What, really? No. So, yeah. that's how long the slavery yeah, happened. No, Sorry. Uh, 17, I'm mix, mixing, mixing it up. 1776, I think, was it? Or something like that? There was that well, project that came out that... 1718? 17... Yeah. Something but, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting project I started mm. reading and then kind of got reading into other things. But, anyways. But, but you know, it's, it's hard to sort of say the American context and then put it here because two, two different lives, you know? Mm, mm, mm. If we had to say... Um, what's the experience here? I think we're it's it's actually, you know, luckily a lot more better than other countries. You know, you just have to look at America. South Africa, for example, is a very extreme example of of, so of racism. Isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, context, like I said at the very beginning, is very important. You yeah. Know? So if we had to sort of, and the reason why I think about that is that I I do believe at some point, you know, we need to sort of just integrate it all. You know, I think Maori traditions and cultures should not just be Maori. It should be the, the one of the standards. Yeah. You know, it, it should be just combined in, and it may need to override a lot of the westernized stuff. That's probably yeah. where it needs to happen. You I know? mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Traditionally, when it's been, you've got people, mm. you know, I was driving on the motorway the other day, and there was this dude, and I nearly crashed my car because I was trying to, I was like, do I take the cell phone out? And do I chase him because my car's <laughs> faster than his and i chase him down the motorway and take photos of him he had this bumper thing on the back of his car and it's, it's this unit and it said it said ngati pakiha right which oh. in that context is a real racist course, thing right ngati pakiha it's like well done bro and then i looked down at his number plate which is like big dick or something like that it was a big roger big, yeah. big john big something yeah, big yeah. something yeah, yeah. and Along the, you know, the, the boundary, the number plate, yeah. it did said I was coming back from Eugene's house. Um, and like it said, welcome to New Zealand, now speak English. <laughs> and it's like, hang on. 
So on the one hand, you're willing to kind of subvert that thing about like you you, yeah. you proudly call yourself Nazi Park here, but yeah. it's kind of done in kind of a racist, douchey way. <laughs> well, it's not kind of, and it then you you, is, you, yeah. you you like oh we're Kiwis, you know mm. we're not it's not Arts Road, it's New Zealand, we're Kiwis. It's like that's a Maori word, and there's no mm. plural, but just that sense of and it almost you kind of had it. You know, like if it had said, welcome to New Zealand, then please feel free to learn one of our three languages, which is English, New Zealand Sign Language, yep. and today on Māori, that would have been cooler. You know, that would have made sense. But it's just that when people talk about we should all be one culture, again, it's traditionally come from the dominant European one. And mm. that's that's fact. Mm. I agree mm. 100%. And I think about mm. we should be integrating tikanga uh, and integrating, uh, you know, Pacifica culture. This is one of the biggest, this is the biggest Polynesian city in the world, right? One uh, it'll, it'll be a debate between here and mm. Salt Lake City in California, right? But I think, I think New Zealand would would just win out. Yeah. But but I think America is quite a big. So it d- d- depends what you talk about. The diaspora, people who've migrated, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When people there, we'll, we'll be close. We'll, we'll definitely be top three. And and in that sense of the richness of mm. of of, of uh, you know the different cultures, but it, that's you're right, Joe. It's that mm. that true and in, like integration rather than like mm. we should all be one and it should all be at my rules. Yeah, it, it's it's complicated again because when I think of integrating things like that, and it's, and I think about what the future could look like if we're in a if we're looking for dystopia, like not dystopia, yeah, utopia, yeah. holy we're shit. <laughs> so that subconscious, yeah, uh, hoping for some dystopian fucking future. <laughs> Get out my fucking multiple swords that are located yeah, in this room. Yeah, you do have a lot of swords in this room. I'm telling you, man, I'm prepared, man. Lockdown number three, I'm ready. One in, a, one in, each, <laughs> one hand in each hand. Across the back? That Is one that in, how you carry them? No, I carry, carry them around the front, man. I no, don't, but when you've got to put them down, uh, like well, you've got see, to get that's, a pie. That's the part I... Oh, no, that'll be hard. Because I probably... Do you wear them one at each side well, or do you I, wear them on the back? Well, if I think... Of, like it, On the side will be a bit awkward because they're quite... They're long swords, right? Yeah, so right. to pull it out will, will be a bit sort of... You at risk of hurting yourself. Yeah. On the back will probably be best. I think that's the best way I've seen it implemented. Yeah. But then they're both on one side. But then you usually grab one out at a time mm. as opposed to two. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep you updated when I try we'll, the next we'll, time. I'll come back and we'll we'll, we'll give it a we'll go. We'll devote it to swords because we'll, I'm we'll, really into that as well. <laughs> excellent. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think, you know, um, we talk about pr- uh, progressing, you know, brown people, Maoris, all that we're trying to progress them forward mm. which we should be doing you know we should always 100% be doing that but i think we're a little bit ignorant to think that the balangis are going to slow down and stop progressing themselves right so true so it'll be hard to sort of say if to any race you know even if it was flipped you know it's like i need you to slow down so that we can progress as humans that's not going to work you know yeah, we're, yeah. we're always going to want more we're, we're not going to settle for for less you know, it doesn't matter what culture you're from. To a certain degree, that's how we think. Not as not as the main way to live, but you know, in the competitive space, you know, which is what we're talking about here in terms of uh, employment. You know, yeah. getting out of poverty, all that stuff. You you have to be in a somewhat competitive sort of mental mind frame because we live in a westernized culture at the moment. That's kind of how it's driven. Yeah. Right. So I think we need to we need to um, celebrate the good things that's happened. You know, because we sort of say, oh, we've we've achieved this, but we would have rather have this but i think every win helps right i think over time and and this is kind of sucky for a lot of people because a lot of people want change now and and things Mm. i don't think that's going to happen you know i don't think you know we're going to get a new prime minister who's maori or 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 pacific or whatever and they're going to make legitimate changes and then we're all just going to accept that it it exists within a it's systemic change isn't it and that's what we and i guess the thing is is now we're we're acknowledging Mm, that that's a big part for sure 
like mm. acknowledging and I think about acknowledging other voices and, and those voices being and you see some of the fragility and the dominance that other voices are mm. they have meaning and they have as much uh, validity mm. as, as your own voice. Yeah. But I think we also because we still wait for our turn. You know, it's like mm. oh, okay, like yeah, yeah, everyone's acknowledged this and that. Um we will our turn should be coming up next. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think we should that's all bullshit. I think we should just be fucking taking it and this is us, you know? Take it or leave it. Which which is a very generalized way to say it. Mm. But I think in a lot of contexts I think we don't back ourselves as much as we should, you know? Um I think culturally we are very prone to sort of being modest and being very yeah, humble in terms so. of like pursuit, which is great. You know, that that's something that's actually lacking in the world, you know? Humility. Humility is so important. Yeah, you know, but but in an environment at the moment, which is our current system, you know, um, th- that doesn't really help too much, you know, especially if you're in like a competitive, you know, if you're a lawyer, right? Humility is not going to allow you to progress through the ranks and become partner one day. You have to show and show that you are the best. You are going to get there until the system has changed yeah. where that's not valued as much, yeah. you know, and we're in the utopian sense, you know, where everything's a little bit more better. We're not having to grind day in, day out. But that's not, I don't believe that's going to happen anytime soon. So I think we, we can change a lot of stuff within the system, but I think we need to change too. You know, Absolutely. I think we need to change as well. We can't hold on to the same sort of practices and beliefs that we used to have. Like, for example, we used to have a very poor, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Now, in terms of um, females, we they never used to hold a lot of power in sort of government and, and, and work and stuff like that. That's changing quite rapidly, mm. you know, here in Tonga. In, in Tonga, sorry, that's right. not what I'm talking about. Not here. Yeah, yeah. We're with a female, you know, prime minister. Yeah. You know, you're probably looking at me like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Oh, no. I, no. I, I, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, like, culturally and historically, that used to be the case. Um, and that's sort of one of the, the amazing changes that are happening now. You know, we've got female politicians that's and, and yeah. people that represent us in, in government and in parliament. You know, we've got a lot of female business owners in Tonga. It, it, it's amazing to see and, and see the progress. And I think that's the kind of change we need to do as well. Like, we can say, oh, yeah, fuck the system. You know, the system's fucking us over. Yes, true. But we also need to look within ourselves and see what do we need to change, you know? We talk about certain things about police arresting us in, in higher numbers, you know, than, than mm. bucket people. That, that's a very broad way to look at it. You know, I well, think... Well, it's, bo- it's born out by the statistics. Yes, yes. Um, and at the same time, yeah, it, mm. it, how do you cope with it? And I don't know how you cope no, with no, it. No, I mean, no, I mean, it's, it's not like I'm afraid driving around and thinking I'm going to get pulled over by the police or anything like yeah. that, you know? Like I said, context matters. Absolutely. This is not the States, you know? We don't get shot. Unfortunately, the cop got shot, you know, earlier yeah. this year, which is, uh, was it Stephen Hunt? Matthew Hunt. Matthew Hunt, yeah. yeah. That wasn't too far from work. No, I, I we, were, we were, I, I mean, my, my, our boy, he... He got locked down mm. uh, and he sent us, a, it was because we didn't know what was going on. We mm. we were at work and, you know, it, it all kicked off and Massey High School got locked down and all they knew is that there'd been, there was a shooter and they were running around and, mm. and Tom, they just shut the, they, they had the teachers putting textbooks up over the windows and and tom you know like it's so alien to our context of course. right and he sent us he didn't say well he kind of did he sent us a goodbye text you know he was like look 
I'm 99% sure that this is all just something that's not, but, uh, and I need you to know that I'm a little bit frightened and if mm. something happens, you know, which is quite a sort of, oof. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, uh, man, things, the rapidity of change in Aotearoa has been massive, hey? And, mm. and I think that there's it's so much, there's so much, it's that I believe that so, I, I still believe that, yes, absolutely, we are afforded certain choices. We have lots of things that impact on those choices, mm. lots of circumstance that dwell both within us and without us. And I think that, you know, in spite of the fact that we have, you know, we've got a female prime minister, we've got, uh, you know, we've got an openly gay um, deputy prime minister, we've got a, a Māori woman who is now the, uh, the foreign affairs minister, all that you can look mm. at, the, those systems still exist which promote misogyny, which promote racism, which promote all of those things. And there are people being born into these systems and there are young people, there are people our age, there are people younger, mm. you know, that are still just kind of, yeah. I, and I think in, the more things change for the good, unfortunately, I think we're going to, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we don't, we're going to see that kind of, I hope we don't see that polarization and I hope we can keep, like having discussions like this, mm. hanging out, you know, like hanging out and actually talking to people and saying, hey, mm. you know, this is this is a good thing. It, it is a good thing. And it, it's one of the main reasons I started this podcast was to have certain conversations like this because I don't really hear it a lot anywhere and, else. And, and it's, it's usually quite watered down. It's, you yeah. know, something in the mainstream media that's sort of, it's good, you know, they'll yeah. have very specific questions, but there's not a lot of room for expansion and sort of deep thought and sort of opinions because, you know, certain media stuff, if you say something that's a little bit too controversial, they're probably never going to invite you back on again. Right. You know what I mean? But like, you know, this is like a free-for-all. You I'm know? not going to say anything controversial. That's okay. I've, I've said enough controversial stuff for the both of us. Hopefully... Well, maybe I did. I called no. Jeff... I, I swore at Jeff Bezos, but like... Oh, you wouldn't be the only one, man. No. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but like, in, in terms of what you said, I don't think we'll get to that stage um, for the like, United States where we're so polarized. It, it's, I hope It's not. palpable. Um, because I don't think we're, we've had the same history that they've had. We've had our own history. I was really worried about it. Mm. I was worried, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll nail my course, flag to the mask. Fine. I was really worried that if, you know, uh, and, and this is the thing I did nine years under, a, um, I did nine years under, uh, a, a jonky government, you know, he captured middle New Zealand, just like Jacinda Ardern's captured middle New Zealand. Mm. Um, incredibly popular prime minister. I couldn't stand him. And I turned up every day to work. And if he'd have walked in, I probably would have shaken his hand and said, hello, Mr. Prime Minister, and, or whatever. Mm. You know, I, I existed. And my politics, for one, you know, you say you're more centre-right. Well, I'm progressive left, and right. I always mm. have been. Um, it's that sense of standing without... What I'm frightened of is if we start to... If, if people start feeling that disenfranchised, they start feeling that left alone that impotent and it happens a lot you know you think about i don't know think about the mosque thing right mm. the mosque massacre the the that terrorist brenton tarrant that scumbag he um he was a dead shit he mm. had nothing going on he was a fucking dropkick man he was a piece of shit this yeah. is the thing and he got radicalized mm. and he was hiding in plain sight mm. the whole time mm. you know he'd shot himself it just turned out he got bought to he'd shot himself 
and he got brought to ED, and they didn't alert the cops. Well, this before? Yeah, uh, this is before. Yeah, he'd shot himself. There's so many things that you, you and that's a perhaps that's a, a, a classic that that example. But I'm frightened mm. that, and I know he's an outlier. But there's a whole lot of people who share those views. Who may be inspired by by yeah, the entire who, thing. Uh, who yeah. share those views and who yeah. are around. No, I mean, that that's a legitimate fear to have. I mean, if you just look at the world and see what's happening, I mean, it is a legitimate fear, yeah. you know? And there's a lot of things we don't know. And uh, and and on the on the flip side of that, and I think about, you know, like working in mental health for, you know, 20 years now, mm. um, I have so much hope. I have so much hope when I see our workforce, which is much more... Um, reflective of the society which we live in it's Mm. amazing and i see you know different experiences and different ideas even in terms of like you think about risk we think about what it is that construct of mental ill health or mental health it's changing Mm. and it's and i see you know I, i i really feel a deep sense of hope as well no i do too i think ideally i've always been a very pessimistic sort of person i don't know where i got that from i live with a lot of optimistic people in my life <laughs> maybe i'm just the rebel of the family yeah like, you know the, what you, you, fuck optimism you, you, you're i'm the gonna black be sheep. <laughs> yeah whether it's subconsciously or i'm consciously doing it but you know i think what getting into this business which is cl- closing in on six years matt you know which in the grand scheme of things is, is quite short compared to a person like yourself people like like my mentors like like mila and, and mons yeah. and stuff you know but but you know for me Six years is, is a significant chunk of time in, in my workforce. And I tell you what, I think... It's a fifth if, of if your life. Yeah. Holy shit. Now that you put it in that sense, holy crap. But, you know, I think, like you, I, I have become very hopeful. I, I look at the work that we do and, and the lives that we change and all the, the positive interactions we've had with, with, with Farnow and, 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 you know, extended Farnow out, you know, outside of Auckland and seeing someone who's come in lost you know you know you know those you know yeah. lost in the wilderness no idea what's happening for them yeah. you know never been under our services before and then just come out you know a, a different person or yeah. actually the person that they yeah. thought they had they had lost yeah, yeah you know yeah. It, it's situation and, and being at the forefront of that and, and being involved in a lot of cases like that it actually makes me feel very hopeful now if we like talk about systems i think this is a certain system that isn't as bad it's a system that could has a, needs a lot of fucking improvement. That's for sure. Yeah. But I think frontline, and I'm thinking about the people doing the work as opposed to like the bureaucrats and stuff that are sort yeah. of designing our systems. I think the work that we do is is amazing. You know. Oh, the work I think that we do is 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 it's, and I use this word and I I use it with absolute. Uh, I put my head up. The work we do is sacred. Oh. You know, and it's it sounds have said a bit. It any better. It's, yep. it, it is. It's 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 and it's that intimacy with another human being or another whānau or another family and it's that sense and it's boundaried and it's and it's engaged and we are and it's not rocket science either I don't think and I think if you, that's the thing if you come at it like it's rocket science you overshoot the mark it's mm. that authenticity that aroha mm. that a, being attuned to that person's needs and, and, and unconditionally so mm. and I think that if we can you know, and being pragmatic and 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 providing you know optimism and mm. and over and that's that gift of perspective that we give. Um, yeah, it's it's a good it it does mental health. It feels like a good place to be working in at the moment. That's amazing because I've started working with the university now, UniTech. Yeah, I heard. And 
I'm working my ass off to promote the mental health field. I eh? yeah, and I actually see where the hesitance is. Is that they're not actually prepared before going out. Like they're prepared in the sense of like academic. You know, you can do a test, you can get that done. It's right. There's a lot of again, and it it's comes. I guess fear. it's that circular thing. It's mm. stigma. Mm. There's a lot mm. of racial, and there's a lot of racial stigma around it. There's mm. a lot of racial stigma. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of all that sort of stuff that you see. And it's that sense. And yeah, it's like when we go to parties. <laughs> or, or my Rebecca's always got people will say, what do you do? And I'm such an advocate. I don't say it because I'm a, because I'm trying to big note. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a clinical nurse specialist for the psychiatric liaison. And she's like, he's, he's a nurse. You know, like, <laughs> shh, be quiet. He's a nurse. Let me fly, woman. Let me yeah, fly. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, yeah. this is what I do. And I'm damn, and I busted my ass to get here. Um, and it's that sense of, you hold your, you know, I really hold my head up high. Um, yeah, it's, it's, man, what a, what a privilege. What a it, privilege role we have. It is. It is. And I don't think people really understand nursing in general. Yeah. Right? Oh, any, the, the, health, the privilege, any health Any, any health care, yeah. for sure. You know, the privilege that we have having to see people at their worst and also see them through to their best. Is, Absolutely. Is, there's no other feeling about it, which is why it keeps people like you still motivated to go to work. And people yourself. like me fucking waking up it's probably one of the only jobs i've had where i've kind of woken up and not really hated going to work yeah you know yeah i mean the environment plays a big part of it you know i Absolutely. work with a great the group of people but i think the work in itself like you can have the best team but the shittiest work and the work is not going to motivate yeah, you but that's right i think you have to be in the right mindset and the, for the right reasons yeah absolutely right? if you're really there to sort of help people and as, as corny as that sounds you're like what do uh nursing oh to help people you know but like you know, deep down, that's that's a, sim- a simplistic way of, of, you, of capturing it all. I I, you know? I flossied it up for years and years and years and years and years, right? I really did. And, and kind of because I was sort of shying away. And I think in nursing, what we used to do is we used to have this idea of what boundaries were. Mm. And boundaries where you kept yourself remote, you kept yourself safe and you kept whatever. But I think that we overcooked it so much. You know, boundaries are around like the three golden rules, you know, don't hit people, don't steal from them, don't yep. engage in sexual relationships with them. Those are good boundaries. You know, like don't steal drugs. Those are good boundaries. Yeah. Um, do what you say you're going to do. Mm. Keep confidentiality. Those are good boundaries. Mm. But if you actually, yeah, I got into nursing and what I, cause it, it's a, it's a, it's a call to, it's a call to serve. And, and it is. you know, God, we could be here all night talking about that, but it's that sense of, yeah, if you're open about that, mm. it actually, and it doesn't, again, it comes down to that, there's that power dynamic, okay? It's like, you lepers, we lepers, you know? It's like, mm. I am no different. I'm there for the grace of God go I. And I, I, I don't say that in the, uh, you know, I don't hold the religion anymore, but it's that sense of, uh, I like the, the terminology. It's that, yeah, there, like this could have been so much different. Mm. my existence my experience but for and it's like you said so many factors both extrin, extrinsic and intrinsic mm. um that that combined oh, for sure for do, sure do you know what we've done mm. we've just basically had a, a dirt church radio podcast or this is a conversation that we'd have on a long run yeah true because this is exactly what happens on long runs you That's start true. somewhere and you go over here and over here, and over here, and over here. And sometimes it's inane, and sometimes it's profound, and, mm. and sometimes it's both as well. Yeah. 
except for me i'll be trying to catch my breath so i i, I wouldn't <laughs> talk to people you'd be talking to me and i'll be like yes good cool man and then just really struggling to keep up but what's the future man what's the future look like for the podcast what's the future look like for matt raymond and and eugene bingham well i mean for the podcast i mean we, we think about that a lot. We've just been talking about, you know, we're going into next year, so we're going to think about getting to some more races and doing stuff like that. Um, just keep having fun. Mm. Keep, you know, keep um, turning out work that we can hold our head up with, keep, keep engaging with people, and actually keeping on, like, holding our values. So, like, we are... And, and, and the sort of the, that political stance as well, because, you know, like running can be quite conservative. We've come up a, a bit of stick about that. Like mm. we, we, we promote women first. So like when we're doing our, um, our results races, we'll more often than not, we'll read the women's first. You know, we have a lot of women on our podcast. Mm. We have a lot of listeners. Who do. Are women. Yeah. Um, people of color, which sounds oh, people of color, but like we, you know, Again, it's an incredibly white podcast. Trans people. So we had a we had the first time we've ever had correspondence. A trans person wrote us into us the other day and was like, "Can you read? You know, this is my experience." Uh, and and just holding those values that that we both have mm. um, to the front. And it's yeah, it's, in, awesome. it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting runners. So hoping to evolve more and sort of get out there more and promote more. Basically. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. I and mean, it's hard. I don't know how you do your social media, man. Like it's incredible. Very poorly. I, oh, no, man, honestly, man. it's the worst part of the gig. Uh, I would it, have to it, say. Yeah. I, I can see why. I can see why people hire yeah. other people yeah, to do it. Absolutely, it's, it's a pain. I don't like the editing part. Is I hate. I hate doing, the, especially now that I have to do video now. Yeah, I hate the editing part, but. I like also seeing a finished product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. always the best, but I sort of see it evolving over time. And for me, I can see it getting better. Yeah. But yeah, the social media stuff sucks ass. <laughs> but speaking of social media, where can we find you, man? Where can so, we find all your stuff? Uh, Dirt Church Radio uh, is our... Oh, and we're not... <laughs> so the thing is, so the Dirt Church Radio, just quickly, uh, it's a collection of syllables that sound good together. So Dirt Church Radio, and we didn't want it to be ultra. So for the first kind of six months, we used to get heaps of religious content on. <laughs> we'd get stuff from pastors, and we'd, get, we'd be like, dude, you're barking up the wrong no, tree. No, wrong one, Sorry, mate. mate. This wrong is kind just of church. Sounds... Uh, Dirt Church Radio is our thing. We're at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com is our address and dirtchurchradio.com is, is where you can find us. Uh, you guys on Instagram as well. Yeah, right? Instagram. Yeah. Everything at Dirt Church Radio. Twitter, Instagram. Um, that's about it. Our Facebook and yeah, dirtchurchradio.com is our, is our webpage. Malo Pito for listening to this episode of the Thought Plantation Podcast. You can find more episodes like this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Thought Plantation Podcast. We are also on Twitter at T Plantation Pod. Malo opito homo lava mai ki etau and I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Bye.